Welcome, movie lovers, back for another Anatomy of Movie here on Popcorn Talk Network. You know what? There's other movies besides Avengers, and we're going to talk about one of them, the new Diablo coding movie called Tully. Stay tuned. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Anatomy of a Movie. That's right, we're Anatomy of a Movie. I am Bill Svitek, joined alongside Marissa Serafini. Hello, everyone. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Couple of administrative things. First and foremost, welcome to the show. We appreciate you, whether it is your first time gracing us. Hopefully you enjoy the entirety of the show and come back for another episode. If you're returning, well, welcome back. Aren't you so kind? Yes. Secondly, if you would like to follow along, there is a PDF in the description box. It's a link. You just click it, and it shows you our research and so forth. And last but not least, we kind of assume you've seen the movie. Uh, it is going to be, therefore, spoiler-filled, especially, which I'll spoil me saying a spoiler. There's a huge third-act twist, which in <laughs> and of itself, if you kind of say, is a spoiler to most people. So you've been double-spoiled if you if you didn't heed the warning. Yes. Uh, anyway... That's uh, our show. We're going to get through everything from the development, the writing, and of course the bulk of what we talk about is the story and the plot and the themes. And lastly, we round it off with the box office numbers, how it was received, and so on and so forth, the greater context of things. But before we get into any of it, first we have to preface what our thoughts were. Marissa. So I was really excited to see this movie. Obviously a big fan of Charlize Theron. Um, Diablo Cody is actually from... Illinois area, so I had to, you know, support a fellow native, uh, Illinois native, in that way. I, I like her films. I, well, I've only, in fairness, I've only seen Juno. Okay. Which, As opposed to I, Jennifer's Body. Yes, okay. which I enjoyed. I enjoyed Juno, and I think a lot of people did. So I was thought I was I was going to enjoy this one. Um, I like Charlie's. I like Mackenzie Davis. Um, I even love Mark Duplass as an actor. So I went into this film really wanting to enjoy it and have a good laugh. And I did come out of it. I had moments where I laughed. There was moments I sympathized with characters and just the storylines and the overall themes that I think a lot of people can relate to. We'll definitely get into it. But overall, you know me. I love good feel-good movies, and this was a feel-good movie. And so for that, I do appreciate this film. This movie is very interesting. Uh, I went into it under the notion that it was a comedy. For me, nothing was comedic about this. And that's not necessarily bad. It's just a matter of fact. Uh, the way this movie goes about is very quite interesting. One of the big things, there, there's something that happens in the middle of the movie. I'll say, I'll, I'll say it was a sex scene. That made me go, okay... If this is how things are going, this movie has de has gone. It's the wheels have gone off the wagon at this <laughs> point. But luckily, it's all part and parcel of where we're getting to. So, so I thought that was interesting. Um, all in all, I think it could have been stronger. Uh, you know, I think she's Diablo Cody's an interesting woman, and she's hit or miss with me overall. I'm not the biggest fan of United States Tara. That was a TV show of hers. Um, Jennifer's body. The only reason I probably went to see it was to see Jennifer's body. <laughs> I actually have seen that movie in college, and it was awful. So, yes, except for that one scene with Amanda and Megan making out. 
Oh, gosh. I see. I've already discounted it. I don't even remember what happens in that film. <laughs> Apparently, the so. film was very, very important. <laughs> Apparently, that stood out to Phil. Not, not Listen, that stood out to ask any guy and ask him about Jennifer's body. That's probably the number one reason the they saw, went to see it. Anywho, <laughs> we digress. So let's let's going into this one. Let's let's kind of take a quick gander as to why and how this came to be. Um, do you want to kind of give us the details and I'll fill it in as necessary? Yeah. So Diablo Cody and Jason Reitman, the director, have actually worked together before on Juno and Young Adult. This is the third collaboration with Tully, and so really it started off with Diablo because of her amazing writing ability. She's supposed to write this big budget script for a very big budget um, network. And she she was she just had her third kid. And so from balancing... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Having a third child in her life to writing a big movie script that she has to deliver, she was having a hard time with her writing because she was just pure exhausted, postpartum depression, all these things. She couldn't write. She just hit it a wall and so she funneled that frustration into her creative process of writing and out came Tully about a woman who deals with postpartum depression what it's like to deal with it on a daily basis um how women go through it how families just go through it so she used her her actual creative disability into something creative and I appreciate that as a writer yeah and overall she she did uh, know the ending she was going to get into. And as far as, like, tropes, she does, like, if you look at United States of Tara and Juno to a ex- certain extent, she does play with the idea of mental illness um, a lot. And so she kind of knew that going in. One of the interesting things that really kicked off as far as this movie with her and Jason, she called them up and, what would it be interesting, essentially, if your younger self could give you advice Based on what you turned out to be and be like, ooh, no, 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 no. Right. And usually you always see the opposite. Like when when you're younger and you're going through a lot of problems in life, you always wish your older self could come to you and be like, everything is going to be okay. But I like the flip side of that whole story trope of maybe the younger self helping and coming to say the older self. And I like that because a lot of people don't expect that, that theme. They always get the adult coming to the younger person. Um, and I like that because it's something we don't see. It is a surprise, and I think it does help with the twist in in the film. But also, I think the dynamic of these two women playing off of each other um, is actually it helps sell the story. Yeah, would, you know. So let's let's just reveal it mm-hmm. <laughs> again. We assume you've seen the movie at this point. Uh, Tully is essentially a, a hallucination. It is, for all intents and purposes, a younger version of her character, yeah. Marlo. And what's interesting, when you really hear the two actresses talk about it, and I think it is evident, I haven't seen it a second time, it would be interesting to look at it from that lens, but in essence, there, there's no judgment one way or the other. 
you know, as much as Tully is helping and, you know, if you kind of look at it from that perspective, she always is helping. But then in hindsight, there is enough evidence of Marlo also giving decent advice to uh, Tully. Yeah. And what I liked about it, throughout the film, you get the slow progression of when when the younger Tully comes in, the Tully is always helping the older self. Um, It's really just the younger Tully giving and giving and giving. And then it's in the middle of the movie, it eventually becomes now the older self is helping the younger self. Like now there's a balance of both of them helping each other. And then in the end, obviously with the twist uh, that Marlo has, it's more because of the first and second act. Now it has to be this outside source, which I'd have to say is the husband who now has to help the Marlo. So it's a balance of helping, like giving and receiving. Mm-hmm. Certainly, certainly. And one of the interesting aspects to me, too, it kind of turned into a chicken and the egg syndrome. It's like who, as far as acting, how do you approach it? And what they wanted to do initially was to match each other. Mm -hmm. And so um, Mackenzie Davis was kind of like, okay, well, if if Charlize is going to do X, Y, and Z, then I'm going to mimic it. And in fact, they were discouraged by Jason to not to do that and to to be their own unique people. And not for the sake of, oh, look how clever as filmmakers we are, like what we hid over your eyes, even though it was in plain sight. It was more so, you know, they, in essence, were two completely different characters and life kind of, you know, took them a certain way. Right, and I think that's definitely relatable in real life because, Phil, would you agree? Are you the same person you were 10 years ago? Probably not. No. Exactly. And yeah, and I'd I have to say I can't drink the same as I could back then. <laughs> and I'm not the same person I was ten years ago. I have way more personality now. But <laughs> I like to think. But and I think it's it's so true that these two women do seem different, but on the same levels are the same and still have the same values. And I like how Jason Reitman also did tell Charlie's and Mackenzie to no, don't essentially copy each other's mannerisms and the physicality of performance is more like because there are nuggets within just the storytelling that drop hints of that you two are the same person and i like that because he allowed the actors to do their own quirks and be their own people and the strength of the movie really is this relationship if if it doesn't work nothing else works and we'll certainly talk about the other characters because the irony is that as strong as this is and the the focus is on this uh to me the message is as you pointed out a little farther far greater mm-hmm. um but when you, you when you come to that one of the really poignant lines for me looking back on it was the moment where tully says to her like hey you know you've got kids and you've got a home like you've got certainty you're good like what's wrong with that life like you have a routine and as soon as ironically marlo does hear that she in essence wants to like vomit out of just disgusted nature like that's not why. I don't want that. That yeah. sounds so boring. It doesn't seem like something she always wanted to be growing up. I mean, and I know people like come for the Midwest that'd be like, when I grow up, I want to be married and have kids. That's great. That's very ambitious, too. But the, when we learn from the younger Telly, like who she is, there's really no hints that she would ever want to grow up to be a mother of three in, in a suburban life. Um, so you, you don't really see that similarity and I, I like that because having a stable home and family and whatnot that is 
a big dream for a lot of people. And that's okay, too. But I think the fact that the older Marlo didn't enjoy that life is also sad. Well, she, part of her, she couldn't see. She felt like she was being scrutinized through a different lens. Uh, and, she, and, and she wasn't seeing the results that she had wanted to see. She couldn't help the son. Uh, not even, forget like financially, but just from, from a sheer fact of when it came down to the brushing and so forth, like she put, she was trying to put in this effort, but the results weren't coming through. And, you know, I think, I think there's an underlying class system there as far as what rich people can afford and what the average American can afford. And she's like, listen, I can't hire a night nanny. I can't afford an aide Mm -hmm. and all these things that that I should be doing for my kid because he needs it. But like, what the hell? I can't. Right. And and I definitely understood that whole class system as well. I I, like maybe here's a question that kind of didn't I don't want to say bothered me, but I just had to question. I wonder why they avoided the fact that this young kid is clearly on the autism spectrum maybe they didn't want to throw in autism and they might get controversy there but the fact that like none of the characters could actually say the word autism when he so clearly is on the spectrum and that he couldn't get the proper education out of care for to type to deal with his situation um and i think it's interesting how they clearly avoided it i think I think it's just a byproduct of how people dance around certain things. Um, you know, when when Tully has that outburst, although or not Tully, Marlo, they're so interchangeable to me at this point. <laughs> right. um, when when she has that that outburst at the principal's office, you know, it's as brutal as it was. At least she's being honest, mm-hmm. and then she sort of she apologizes. But I don't think she should apologize for what she said. And not not the message. Like, yeah, the way you went about it was wrong. But the principal always saying, like, no, we welcome you and this and that. Like, stop. It's fake. We get it. And using the word quirky to describe, you're not solving anything. No. And I, I think that does happen more more often than not. And, yeah, it leads to people to have that sort of outburst of, like, just be real with me. Right. You know, I, I think it was just bothering me that they kept saying they said quirky probably 10 times. I'm like, no one could actually muster up the courage enough to say autist, autistic. And that just kind of bothered me because they are in an educational facility. They are a school. Principals of schools know what to look for in children. And that this the fact that this principal can even muster up your child is autistic. We don't have the capability to help deal with his needs go to this school that just bothered me from the educational standpoint well here's a word i haven't heard in a long time because it's definitely not pc these days but uh oh my son's a retard is that it you want to tell me that and so she said in the film (laughs) yes so the, the the fact of the matter is you know whether it's autism or anything else it's like okay just whether you know what that thing is can we all agree that it's not like quirkiness is it's fun and cute. Mm-hmm. He has something that's preventing him from, from, you know, being who he truly can be. Right. And that doesn't mean he's a bad person. He, there's tools out there to help him. Just right. like, I mean, the ultimate message of the movie, um, women go through as far as, you know, depression and 
And in, in this case for Marlowe, a deeper version of that, but it is treatable. And yet most people don't seek that. And I think that's the ultimate message of the movie. Right. And I agree. I think just as a viewer, it was frustrating that they kept hinting at it and they never fully got there because I think it would have added to the movie. Had they said this child has autism, it just adds a whole nother layer of desperation help that Marlo so needed because now she has a legit condition within a child that she also needs help with. So I, I think it just needed to add. Maybe they tried to be a, try to be as PC about it as possible. I didn't want to bring that up, but just well, me, as an audience, didn't feel right. Well, let me ask you this, because Marlo, for all intents and purposes, she was quite reserved about a lot of things, as was her husband, but in particular her. Um, and so, you know, how do you sort of rectify that? Because when you talk about uh, her brother, he wanted to help, mm-hmm. and he was being as honest as he could with her, but it also, they were trying to be as gentle as they could because they know her natural inclination is to put up the guard and, and not hear it, mm-hmm. you know? And it is tough. Like, I get it when, when you're doing the best that you can, but if you have something like that and you're unable to help them and you, you honestly feel helpless from from what you can do and what you can do financially then you just you just feel like you're just taking criticism left and right and it cuts very personal right you can definitely tell marlo is a defensive person but also the, i i sensed a hint of bitterness and resentment towards her her brother because it might just be on a level of jealousy that her brother has her brother's family is more well to do than hers she he and his wife um, make good money, can afford good education and, and proper treatment for their for their kids. They're having like luscious sushi parties for their kids who don't even appreciate it. That's Truffle also mac sad. and cheese, exactly, or like whatever the heck they were eating. Um, so I I sense from Marlo just a sense of jealousy that she doesn't have the facilities and stuff that her brother can afford. So everything that the brother might. Uh, advise or try to help and recommend her it seems like out of more pity because she can't afford it or because they can and so i, I just sense some resentment from her rather than defense well let me ask you i i personally at no point did think that he was doing it with any sort of pity i mean i, th- I think he he really did want to help and maybe there was an obligated sense but i don't think it was a, a pity party in that in that regard it was just more so and in what i appreciate that he's quick to point out that listen we all came from the shit house mm-hmm. so we started at the same place and i think i think if anything she has more resentment rather than he has pity i'm not saying that like you know he he, he doesn't have pity but let's say she had 90 percent resentment and he has five percent pity mm-hmm. so the percentages aren't there and he really does just want to help and he's like listen just because I made money, why you be smirching me for that? Like, we, again, we start at the equal level. Yeah, and I think that's why her jealousy comes into play is that because they started at the same level, he has a more successful outcome than she does at the current moment. And I think it might have helped with her defensive of why she turns down his recommendations and suggestions and stuff is maybe because she's just jealous. Mm-hmm. This sort of I know I know this is tangential, but in my mind, 
I'll explain why it, it, it more relates fully to the brother. As far as the reveal, looking back on it or maybe in the moment, what were some red flags that you saw where you were like, ooh, something's a little off that, hint, that you know, steered you towards this idea that, um, you know, Tully and her ended up being the same? Whether you knew that or not, but you were like, ooh, something's up. Yeah, something happened within, I believe it was the middle. And there, it was actually more kind of towards the end, like right before the the reveal was when uh, the younger self came, like younger Tully came to the house and she's like, I'm having problems with my roommate. And we saw at the very beginning of the film that the older Marlo had problems with her ex-roommate and we've dealt with it, we've, Everyone has dealt with shitty roommates in real life, in college, just in life. God, I know that deal. And um, so there was that moment where, oh, hey, they they both had crappy roommates. And uh, I was like, oh, and I figured everyone does, but there, there was a moment when they had a similarity. And then five minutes later, when they get to New York, or where they go, Brooklyn. Brooklyn. <laughs> when they went to Brooklyn, and she's like, hey, that's my drink, too. When they mentioned the alcohol drink, I was like, oh, these two women have the exact same problems right now. They're probably the same woman. See, for me, it was a, a lot of small things. Number one, what kind of... It, it wasn't necessarily... It, when the brother initially brings up, like, hey, what remember what happened last time. So that was kind of a flag. Then when the... She just kept, Tully kept on this idea that she's here to help Marlo. And so much so that it's at a certain point, it was like, where's the kid? <laughs> We're just drinking wine and just having fun. Where's the kid? Um, and furthermore, uh, the whole, for me, what really flipped it over the edge was the whole sex scene. I was like, if the mm-hmm. guy doesn't have a problem with this... We are in some weirdo gigolo crap. Fantasy. That was also my my whole th- thing too. While watching it, I consciously just realized I was like the the husband has never actually physically met younger Tully. She's only been in scenes with Charlize. So like, and I've we've seen so many movies with that kind of reveal like that. But when the sex scene did happen, I was like, oh, the younger self is having fun with the with. Ron Livingston's character was like, okay, me, he, he's t- clearly interacting with the younger self, and that kind of threw me off a yeah, bit. That's the that's the throw. What what you know? And as soon as that that sort of happened again, I was like, okay, the the wheels have fallen off the wagon. And then what really sort of got me, and in the moment, so the, they're at the birthday party or whatever it is. Um, at the brother's place again. Mm-hmm. The karaoke party. <laughs> yes. And Drew is telling um, the brother, like, hey, uh, we're having great success with the nanny, the night nurse. And the way the brother said, oh, you called her. Couple th- What I expected in that moment was like, oh, when you said call the night nurse, you weren't going to pay for it. You just mm-hmm. said call her. So I was like, oh, crap. All of a sudden, this is going to cost a crap ton. Right. No one's paying for it. And then when she says she has to leave, I was like, okay, Drew probably talked to her. Because she doesn't give a reason why she why she's leaving more abruptly. Mm-hmm. I thought for sure Drew talked to her and was like, hey, we can't afford you, so you got to quit. Right. There was a moment where I was like, this relationship is going so well. And between 
Marlo and younger younger Tully. I was like, they have a really fun relationship. It's too good to be true. Eventually, they like the I knew the younger stuff was gonna have to leave, and eventually, when we got the whole trip to to Brooklyn, I was like, oh, okay, here's the moment where they have to break up in just a relationship. We see that that's a that's a typical trope in in film in just in writing. When a good relationship happens, something happens near the second third act where they have to break up, and this was it. Mm-hmm. Let me also ask you this: um, Would the other giveaway or the nod towards it was? the mermaid scenes which a i felt like are we really just rewatching Guillermo del toro's the shape of water <laughs> like what the hell is going if i had any gripe with the movie it's so grounded in reality and so visceral in that that way that i was that i didn't i didn't like that part of it but that aside um <laughs> the mermaid the re- it's an yeah. intended it's very interesting to see on screen because, first of all, you're like, what the hell is a mermaid doing in this movie? It does not fit whatsoever. But it also helped just establish the younger Tully because I believe their first conversation was about mermaids. And we're like, oh, they already have a similarity. This relationship is going to be awesome. Like, they can already bond over something. So in for just character development, it helped um, to, to bridge the gap between younger Tully and adult Marlo. Yeah, I mean, at first I thought it was clever because she's dreaming of mermaids and then her water breaks. So I was like, oh, okay. Well, I get it. It's a dream, but it's because her water. <laughs> yeah. And then they kept reusing it. I was like, okay, there's something more to this and uh, something's off. And we never really see the mermaid's face up until when we find out the mermaid is younger Tully helping save her. We're like, ah, okay, good reveal. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. So the crux of... Really, this movie for me isn't isn't totally obviously. It's more so the husband and the wife. It's Drew, and in a sense, I kind of you get that if you're anyone with a well, a with a brain or at least compassion, the fact that all he's doing is just playing video games while she's busting her ass. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get it. He he has a day job and so forth. But, you know, technically so does she. She's just on uh, on leave to take care of the kids. Right. Literally uh, until up until the week she was supposed to deliver. I was like, no, maternity leave should be sooner than that. Yes. Well, that's a whole separate issue we could touch upon. Of, like, okay. But nonetheless, you know, as far as Drew's concerned, how did you feel about him? I, well... As a woman, I'd be frustrated as all hell. I'd be like, who the hell did I marry if this is a man who's not going to help support? Um, but you always see him. He is always loving. You see they go through their routine. There's that slow montage of them going through every single day doing the same thing of him waking up, kissing her goodbye, leaving, off to work, and come back. We don't know what he goes through when he's working. He's always leaving. So it's not like he's deadbeat in that way, just sitting on the couch also and just not refusing to help. We know he goes away and supports the family in a different way, financially. Not emotionally, not really su- support in, in for the baby. He helps with the, the younger girl with math and homework and stuff. But So he helps in some ways, and that's what I could forgive him. But I was more upset at the fact that he wasn't there emotionally for Marlo. Um, and not once did he really offer to help with the baby during the night. It's like, 
I, I have to sleep. You can get it. It's your turn. Whatever. Um, he wasn't helping in that way and offering. And that's what was just frustrating. Well, lesson learned to any guy. When your wife gets a night nurse, go meet her ass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's just so telling as far as... I, I, you know, you're, you're 100% right. There, there are good qualities, and I think they highlight enough of that he's not, he's not a deadbeat. But the, the simple fact of you have yet to actually meet the night nurse. Mm-hmm. All of this could have been prevented had you just gone downstairs. And as a dad, would you, in a sense, I, I mean, I understand that part of him was just so guilt-ridden over the fact that he couldn't provide that necessity for his wife. So it came down to the brother, and maybe he just didn't want to face that fact of meeting her because that made it all too real. Mm-hmm. But what he would have found out is that it's not real at all. Right. But also just frustrating with the fact that his character was just so painfully oblivious and he just and nonchalant about a lot of things that had he given one ounce of actual compassion or care for his wife on any emotional level and the fact that they let a stranger into the house every single night and he was totally okay with that is also just a problem as a person. Also, what's interesting, you know how some movies sometimes they show like, here's what you thought happened, but here's what really happened? So, in essence, she was never in bed. At no point... During the night, where you're like, hey, my wife's not been in bed for like seven hours. Right. Where the hell is she? Right. And But there was also, and this is where they helped with the reveal that made it quote-unquote surprising for some people. There were times in conversations where Marla was like, she was in our room all night <laughs> while I was nursing. And it's like, oh, he, she was in her room? So there were conversations where he was led to believe that the same person was in the room. So... Uh, There there are a lot of, like, different red flags. Not really red flags, just a lot of red herrings more so to throw us off. What do you think? Some people are criticizing the reveal. They're saying, like, it's too simple exposition. I'm like, no, exposition, like, what what, what I appreciate, like, it kind of throws you off because there's this woman and she's just asking basically about his insurance and trying to get questions. Meanwhile, he's trying to have a conversation with the brother. Mm -hmm. And it's... There's so much chaos, and yet that one line of, what's her maiden name? Tully. Boom. Everything just kind of quiet. It, it, it just builds that moment in such a, for, for most people that I saw it with, it was such an aha moment of like, oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that, that revealed it all. And yeah. such a simple reveal, and I don't. I don't buy, I don't I don't criticize it for being simple exp- exposition. At that point, it's brilliant exposition. Yeah, at that point, it makes everything make sense. Not simple. It, it literally just puts it together. Um, and I like that. That's the, like the last piece of the puzzle, so to mm-hmm. speak. Uh, I like that reveal because also, while when you go into this film, who you know, I mean, raise your hand if you know anyone, anybody in the world whose name is Tully first or last name Tully is just it's not a common name or I could be wrong tell me if I I'm if sure I there's am. a Tully out there but. I'm sure there are I mean out of eight billion people I'm sure there's a Tully out there but it's not as common as the name is Smith or something as a maiden name yes that's what I'm saying getting to is just Tully is such an 
interesting individual name. So when they say the name Tully, you're like, oh, they're the same person. Got it. Was it the, the, the one thing I didn't look up, and obviously I should have, uh, and it would help if I had rewatched the movie, but I wonder if she at any point referred to the night nurse as Tully. Which, if she did, the husband should have already been like, oh, how interesting. She has the same name as your maiden name. Mm, right. Uh I don't think Marla ever addresses Tully properly, informally, as Tully. The only time we really get Tully is when Tully introduces herself. It's like, hi, my name is Tully. And that's yeah. it. And she's like, oh, okay. Because I think what was great with just the acting was when they were first meeting, she was adult Marla was more like, what are you doing in my house? She, she was more like, okay, what are you doing here, stranger, rather than, oh, Interesting name, yeah. It was more of just like questions of a stranger coming into your house. Yeah, because but it, it wasn't Mary Poppins walking into your house. It was like some kid, and you're like, "You're the night nurse, <laughs> right?" Okay. Um. All right, so let's talk about the the bigger themes of the movie. Uh, obviously, maternity. So, so let's start there. A lot of what's been good about this movie and people are praising it for is its honest portrayal of essentially motherhood Mm -hmm. and any sort of criticism that goes against it as far as, well, anything really is, you know, through, through her depression and and so forth. It's simply for the fact that most of these mothers out there don't have the things to actually be able to cope with what's at hand. And that's part of the statement that it's trying to make is that, yeah, okay, getting help for your depression and so forth or, or, you know, this is available, but you can't get it. Right. And I think, I mean, you're not a mother. I'm not a mother. So we personally have not. I unfortunately will never be a mother. (laughs) Yes. I mean, I might get there one day. We'll see. Um, I So we personally can't speak on the whole postpartum depression but i know people who have gone through it um i've witnessed it firsthand from like my sisters and stuff and i think it also just depends on maybe they can't afford the extra help financially but that's where the help comes from from the family from the husband from the grandparents or whatever usually they help families helps with having a newborn child into the family um but I feel postpartum depression is different for a lot of different women. There are different, there are the same like different um, feelings and emotions, but a lot of women go through it differently. Well, they say one in five women get postpartum depression. Ninety-five percent are treatable, but only thirty percent of of mothers actually go to even get checked out for that, which is interesting. So, mm-hmm. in essence, go see your doctor. <laughs> um, you know, the other fact of it really is, you know, we, we talked about maternity leave and how she got maternity leave a little bit too late. Listen, the fact that she got it to begin with is a, is pretty much a miracle. It's a win for her. Right. She needs it. Well, a win for her, but but, but it's, I, what I'm getting at as far as like American policy and so forth, we don't really look at it under that telescope. We, you know, there's cultures out there. You know, uh, people don't often talk about night nurses because maybe there's a taboo against that. 
anything to do with motherhood, it seems like we're just not in support. Whereas there's some cultures that a already, as far as your work goes, understand it. Mm-hmm. And in fact, not only that, they also give the the husband's maternity leave as well because they understand it's equally important for him to be a part of yeah that development. They call it paternity leave. <laughs> and furthermore, col- there's some cultures that. Groups of friends be essentially become the night nurses for free because they're like, "Hey, listen, that's what we signed up for. You're our friend. You had a kid. You'll do the same for us when we have a kid. But now you need our support and help. Right. You know, it's the old adage of you can't help others if you can't help yourself. And at that point in time, a mother needs equal care as much as the baby. Yeah, exactly. And I think it is such an important message that because I feel you said it could be taboo. It does feel it is taboo. People don't want to talk about motherhood. Women, a lot of people, women don't want to talk about motherhood because it does affect their personal lives and affects their work relationship as well. Um, we know women who have been fired because they've had kids or their personal lives have gotten in the way of their work life. And, and there are so many movies out there that um, when children come into your life, it can mess up your work life. And so a lot of people don't want to talk about it, how it can affect just everything. Um, and, and, and I think that's wrong because it should be addressed. The more it's addressed, the more we won't have this issue. Yeah, and... I think it's part of that, and uh, you know, I know we're getting a little bit deeper into it, but these are the themes of the movie. And one of the things I thought of, um, I actually kind of picked up this, uh, you know, in American culture specifically. I can't speak to the rest of the world, but in American culture, um, as I have sort of viewed it, and as you know, from the, from the stuff that I've read, we value ambition to its ultimate extreme, right? And the reason I think women in particular mothers, are being sort of pushed by the wayside and not being applauded is because of this, oh, you're not ambitious enough. And it's like, okay, no, 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 listen. There's plenty of women and mothers that I know that can do a wonderful job, and just because they don't want to climb up the corporate ladder, so to speak, like that they're mm-hmm. happy in the position that they're in, why is that a bad thing? You need people of stability, and that's not to say like they're the, they're the low end of the totem pole, they could be middle management and even to upper management. But if they're happy there, why is it their responsibility to want to have to go further? Right. Be happy that they're actually happy in that position and doing the job well. Right. And like and don't don't hold it against them either. If they're if it doesn't affect their work work life or like just the way that they're they're going about. If it makes them more successful, fine. And there are people like that. But I think it's just addressing the overall issue the more that we talk about it the more women can get help mm-hmm. or even men men go through postpartum depression too the more people talk about it the more it's not going to be an issue well i mean in in essence i'm, I'm very happy that this movie came out because number one i had no clue that a night nurse ever existed right i mean i, I, I knew nurse, an au pair nanny. you know I, I knew like small facets but the fact that there's an actual night nurse and it, it makes sense. I mean, it's it's not the cheapest thing in the world, but it's also you, you get it like it, there. It, from what I've read, it ranges from one hundred and eighty bucks to three hundred dollars a night on average. Wow. Which I mean, if you look at it, that's great money for on average eight hours. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can also understand like one hundred and eighty hours if you really break it down. Um, you know, obviously, that's the low end. But as far as what you're asking, like it's it's 
you know, it's a lot of money to cough up to pay someone. But if you're that person doing that duty, mm-hmm. it's really, you know, I mean, you it's great deserve money. it. No, well, you yeah. deserve it too is what I'm saying. You mm-hmm. know, it's not like it's, it, it's not like you're just blowing it off and not doing something like you're doing something of importance. And so I think that is a, a valuable thing. Right. I think it's valuable. And I think it's also just if you have the resources and the finance to do it, you should. If it helps you in your personal life, in your work life, and hell, even your love life, go for it. And I, I think I like how that option is out there for, for the people who need it. Don't turn it down. Well, you know, it's, I, I, I think it would be interesting to see. And I know that like the people were pinning a lot on this movie as far as creating change. I think it's great as far as discussion. But this movie is not going to create the change that people want. People have to create the change that they want. And I think there should be a side of it where, yeah, eventually your insurance could cover the cost of a night nurse. Right. And you already have maternity leave (laughs) to begin with. Like, that that would be a nice world I could get behind. Yeah. And, but also, I think it also depends on the people who are hiring night nurses and night nannies. Marlo needed it out of pure desperation because she wasn't getting help from anywhere anyone else her husband wasn't her helping her her brother was like helping her from afar um we we obviously don't have the parental help from marlo's family so marlo is essentially being a single mother of three she just needed it out of pure desperation well ironically most of the women do yeah which is sad don't get to the point of desperation just get it to the point when you need help you know, I can by no means claim myself to be a celebrity. Um, however, there was what's been interesting out of this is that how many celebrities actually hide the fact that they have quite a vast number of people. I mean, it, it, listen, I'm not, I'm not all for the Kardashian news, but if you're going to read any Kardashian news, there's and there's an article that I read how they don't allow any of the nannies to be on camera and and so forth and it's like okay if you want to be relatable to women celebrities do all of your do everyone a favor and show that yeah you have it together but you have it together because you have quite a large uh support system and furthermore try to educate people on how they could get at least some of this freaking support in their life right Right, but also a lot of celebrities that some have opened up that they have dealt with postpartum depression and stuff. But most celebrities, yeah, you don't see the help because they have the finances to help pay for it, but also don't show it. The Kardashians, as much as I fucking hate them, like they purposely don't have the the help on cameras because they want to appeal to everybody that they do all this literally on their own. Uh, on themselves but there's a big disservice to everybody and that's why no one relates to the kardashians and that's why people are riding their brains wasting their time on watching that shit that's how i feel about the kardashians moving on um yeah but if you have the option to have a night nurse do it yes um there's a lot of as far as re- the references that I'm making, like the todayshow.com in particular has done a number of pieces that, that you know, um, can help educate you on these things. And if you if you just type Tully, a lot of the discussion uses the movie as a jumping off point into these greater issues. So mm-hmm. um, if nothing else, this movie has sort of done that. Um, Agreed. Any, uh, any other story elements before we talk about really the making of... 
I, I just like the overall theme is like somehow within herself, subconsciously, she was finding help. Um, you saw the slow progression visually on screen of her just being a mess, more like not doing her hair, no makeup, 50 pounds overweight. Um, it's like you, you can tell like she, she didn't care about her self-image, but as she started feeling better, as younger Telly was helping her and she was getting more sleep, like she was getting more, not not to say beautiful, I mean Charlie Theron is always beautiful, but you can tell she was getting more comfortable and feeling better about herself, looking better about herself. And, and I like that somehow within her, she had her the power to make herself feel better. See, ironically, that was the problem, though. Because it's not that she was getting sleep. It's that she, her mind tricked her into feeling like she didn't need sleep. Mm. And so, you know, the, all that, all those things weren't really a byproduct of her being rested. They were a byproduct that she was just up all night being able to make cupcakes, being able to do her hair, clean the house, and so forth. So she was just spending more time doing things. Doing stuff. Rather than sleeping. And that was a crux. That was was integral as far as what was the hindrance, not a help. Mm, Yeah, okay. I can see that. Anywho. um, You know what's interesting? The fact that Jason Reitman directed this movie is uh, quite interesting to me. I mean, I think he does a wonderful job. But as far as... Again, tonally, it's it's very different than Up in the Air was a little bit more serious. Juno, you know, quirky and fun. Thank you for smoking. Definitely is, uh, teeters on that comedy spectrum. Um, but I think overall, like, he's shown a lot of range as far as what he's able to do. Yeah, and I applaud him. I mean, he's nominated for Oscars, so, like, he, he knows what he's doing in that sense. I'd have to say, out of those you just listed, I think Thank You for Smoking is kind of more on the the same genre and comedic slash drama level as this movie Tully is. They they have the same tone. Uh, he, he definitely can balance drama and humor. You said at the beginning of the show that you didn't realize it was comedy, I went into this film thinking it was comedy. Well, that's what I went into it with, and I was like, "Ooh, this is not." Yeah, there was the more look dramatic of it. themes. Yeah, there was nothing about it that was ha ha. Even it was very drab in terms of its color, in terms of its production design. Yellow, um, it was like yellow tannish. Yeah, it was. Thank you for smoking. It's very yellow tannish. It's the same color palette. Yeah, and, and, and even just the opening shots, right? Opening shots themselves can sort of dictate, hey, here's the tone that's to follow. And while that's a lot more bright and she's brushing his hair, you know, the hair on it, on his skin, none of it was like, hey, get ready to laugh your ass off. Right. I think that the only moments that I really laughed was in the, the witty dialogue. And that's more thanks to Diablo Cody than it was to Jason Reitman. I think the the only funny moments were just the the writing jokes or the the grenade jokes that were dropped in there, um, but knowing if it was anything like Juno, I knew there were going to be some funny moments, and I did laugh, um, especially the moment where she dropped the cell phone on the baby. <laughs> like, oh no, that's awful, but yet still funny. I I know I love slapstick humor. That makes me laugh. Uh, I was just too mortified to laugh at anything. I I fear motherhood. <laughs> <laughs> I applaud motherhood. Well, fortunately, you but I will not laugh. be a mother. 
Yeah, but even still, like, when we talk about shows like Teen Mom and Pregnant and, and preventing teen pregnancy, oh, this uh, prevented my adult <laughs> desire <laughs> of pregnancy. Or just, well, maybe not about pregnancy, just about parenting. It's more about parenting. We only yeah. saw her pregnant for maybe 15 minutes. Um, it's it's more the theme of parenting. I think it really depends on just make sure when you have a family, make sure you also have a strong support system to help back you up. She did not have that in this film. Therefore, would turn a lot of people off. But I know successful families that do have a strong foundation to help build a family. It really depends on who you do it with. And that, and they also plan it out a little bit. Uh, you know, it. they made no gripe about it that the third child... Was not expected. Not planned. So it happens. It happens. Be a little more careful. That's all. Mm-hmm. It happens. Um. All right. So we've kind of touched upon the controversy and things of that nature, but uh, we'll just so uh, a lot of these people have sort of worked together, and it's interesting that the collaborate, you know, what I'll call the collaborators that they got to to do this with. Um, the cinematographer Eric Stielberg. He just came off of also doing A Quiet Place, which is quite interesting. And now the range mm-hmm. that he's had. So Quiet Place is you, you horror. Quant- horror. <laughs> um, 500 Days of Summer, definitely a lot more comedic. Up in the Air, so he's worked with Jason before. And then Baywatch. So <laughs> quite the spectrum of movies as far as I'm concerned. Which is, so he has a good uh, balance of comedy and drama. And some in between, like mm-hmm. Tully. And and 500 Days of Summer had a lot of comedy in it as well, but also drama moments. And I think that's good because he, all those looks, just because I actually have seen all those films. If you think about it, they do have visually the same color palette. Mm-hmm. And I enjoy that. And uh, as far as the editing, we have Stefan Grube, who is known for 10 Cloverfield Lane, the Star Wars Force Awakens, and now Tully. So interesting lineup of things he's worked on there as well. Good for um, him. Yeah, absolutely. Those are some big movies there. Um, okay. It was one of the things we couldn't find is the budget for this. Yeah. Um, but I imagine it wasn't that high, even though you have Charlize involved. Uh, you know, to me, what it would sound like is this was, in essence, a passion project of hers. Um, she was really behind this movie and wanting to tell this story. As of now, you know, it, the, the movie's made around $4.4 million, so depending on the budget, that's either good, just enough to cover it, or not so good. Right. In, in the terms of Marvel Disney franchise, that's super low. But this is an indiv- independent film. Diablo Cody is known for the smaller films. It doesn't appeal to the masses. Um, successful in and of itself of just writing, getting it out there, and appealing to a lot of different women in this world, and some men also who have gone through this. But I think it's it's not for the comic book nerds. It's for the, the everyday family life people. See, I'm surprised. It has a 87% on Rotten Tomatoes. So the fact that, you know, they they switched the premiere date to go back a week after Avengers. But I could see this maybe getting an Oscar push. I could see Not that. Not the strongest movie, but, like, as far as the fact that critics are responding it in this way and 
given the subject matter and you know Charlize is no stranger to award season yeah and neither is Diablo Cody I mean then Jason Reitman has one Oscar and Diablo Cody has one Oscar um so like we have Academy Award talent just within this movie and, and and I think it's good. I think they should because it's so hard to find original screenplays nowadays with all the stupid franchises that are out. So I applaud to Diablo Cody for writing yet another original screenplay that actually appeals to everybody. Mm-hmm. That's relatable. People don't like people can't relate to the Marvel. <laughs> Marvel, the, well, mean, like they, they can they, in they, maybe they... the backstory themes and stuff, but like they don't. People in real life don't have superpowers. Like, people go to Marvel or DC or whatever because these people can attain things that real people can't. Well, I don't want to besmirch those movies because I do like those movies for the most part. But I, I will say, like, it, they certainly don't get a dialogue going about postpartum psychosis. No, they don't. And I think that's equally as important and deserves to be recognized and, and, and just talked about. Um, and, you know, the the, the beauty of it is... You know, is the movie perfect? I don't necessarily think so. But overall, I think it's a very strong movie. And so it, it basically what I'm saying is it's not just a launch vehicle to talk about these things. It's in and of itself a good product, and it creates this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's a that's an added bonus. Any final thoughts before we wrap this one out? Yeah, I would probably watch this movie again because it is feel good. I'd recommend this... <laughs> In a way, yes. Yeah, like for the most part, you can laugh and be like, "Yeah, all right." Um, I would, I would recommend this to a lot of people because I think on some level it is very relatable. I think the in the in the spirit of which this is supposed to be intended, uh, I would only see this movie a second time, and that would be to view it from the lens that uh, that knowing and having this dramatic irony. But as far as it being an enjoyable movie and, and one that I would want to return to every weekend, uh, no. For me, I walked away with with an experience, an experience that I'm thankful for, but not an experience I'm ready to go back to it, you know, readily. Yeah, I get that. I think I, just, I liked the theme that there was a strong relationship in this movie. It was the friendship between herself i mean obviously with but like two two women actually having a civil friendship that's also rare to see very rare to see very rare to see like and women can support other women me too you know I what's mean, interesting to see i so you're you're 100 right on that fact and then furthermore the fact that it's a woman helping herself mm-hmm. which is i mean ultimately that's what she is she helped herself in, in one way shape or form so uh, kudos to that indeed. Uh, you know, I think they're very powerful stuff. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. By all means, we encourage you guys to comment below. Let us know your thoughts and opinions on this movie, what you liked, what you didn't like, um, how you view the world, perhaps in a different light. Also, for those of you listening, we don't forget about you. You guys are out there. You guys are equally important. Leave, leave a rating, you know. Where If it's on iTunes, iTunes, or any other podcast app, by all means, we encourage you guys to do so. You guys take time out of your day equally mm-hmm. to to consume what we have to say. And for that, we can't thank you enough. Uh, for Up until Star Wars, the, the solo movie, 
So, well, we, so we have um, Life of the Party. That seems like a fun one. I, I think there are a lot of fun movies coming. We'll um, keep you coming. updated as to what we actually end up covering. Um, one of the things I'm looking forward to, and we'll see if we do it on this one, but um, I'm putting it out there now, so perhaps Marissa follows up with me on it. <laughs> I want to do uh, Fahrenheit uh, 451 on HBO. It's a, it's a TV movie. Ah, uh, okay. But it's an HBO movie, so... I love TV movies. I know it's not Netflix or something like that, but hey, HBO, the original makers of movies. HBO TV TV. films are amazing, and they get nominated for a lot of Emmys as well, so sure. So uh, maybe maybe we'll do that one. All right. Well, we'll we'll keep you updated as to what the hell's going on. Uh, Certainly, you look look, look forward to uh, Solo, Star Wars story. Uh, if, If there's other stuff that... I. I can't necessarily recommend anything in the maternity space that we've covered, but we've covered a lot of movies, over 400. Yep. So check out our library. Um, some of these podcast apps, you can't get every single episode, uh, but you can go on YouTube. That has every single episode. And if you're having trouble there, just go on popcorntalk.com, click Anatomy of Movie, and that certainly has all the episodes available to you in both audio and video form. Yeah, there we are. Nonetheless... At Serafini TV for Marissa. That's right. Um, speaking of supporting wives and being good husbands, Dimitri Panos is out doing great work uh, creating a, a charity on behalf of his his wife. Um, so, you know, he's talking about it on the episodes. I'm sure he'll talk about it in the future for those of you interested. Or just tweet him at DMovie1701 for more information on that. Uh, thank you guys as always. I'm at Phil Svitek. Check out philsvitek.com for more information. And keep checking out movies. And of course, keep checking back in with Anatomy and Movie. Bye. From producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz.